This is The Granite Beat, a podcast where we highlight New Hampshire journalists, ask them about recent stories they've published, and about what it's like to cover their corner of this small and interesting state. I'm Julie Hershan Hart, and I'm here with Adam Drapshow. Hello. We have another double booking today. Our guests are Anna Brown and Mike Dunbar, the executive director and content editor for Citizens Count, a nonpartisan nonprofit organized to help Granite Staters make the most of their voting rights. Citizens Count also hosts another podcast in the Granite State News Collaborative family, $100 Plus Mileage. Thank you both for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. When we started preparing for this episode, I began with a perception of Citizens Count as something adjacent to journalism. Your work is often in partnership with local news outlets, but that it was somehow distinct from journalism. However, the more I thought about it, the blurrier that line got for me. Do you think of yourselves as journalists? That's a great question because it's something I've asked myself. Ultimately, I think unbiased information is essential for a democracy, and that does look like journalism, local news. It does also look like the public having open access to government, where your local boards are putting their agendas online and welcoming public comment. It looks like neighbors talking to each other about what's going on in their town. And it looks like nonprofits like Citizen Count, where we are trying to provide unbiased information about issues and candidates in New Hampshire. I think what sets us apart from journalists is this the sheer volume of information that we are trying to translate for citizens. It becomes almost more encyclopedic than journalism. I think the, the trick with journalism is you are breaking it down, teasing out specific stories at a time. We do that with our podcast, $100 Plus Mileage. We do that with some of our other articles, but we also just have this website that is a research for your 400 state representatives, 24 state senators, and roughly 1,000 bills that are coming through every year. So I don't know, would you call Wikipedia journalists? I think we get, could get into a more existential conversation there. I think I kind of think about it too, is we provide tools that can be used by ordinary citizens, journalists, anybody looking to better understand the landscape in New Hampshire as far as politics and civics go. Even teachers, uh, we provide a lot of tools for them as well. So we're more about getting that transparency on what is going on on the state level and as in terms of legislation, in terms of candidates and things like that. And hopefully journalists and others can use those tools as they see fit. Could you tell me how long Citizens Count has been around and describe the funding model? Citizens Count has been around for over a decade now. 2008, 2009, there was a group of citizens who got together actually around the Shoreland Protection Act. And some of those citizens are, in fact, board members to this day. And they had this realization. People don't know what's going on with laws in the state of New Hampshire, even when they could impact you. So that was the birth of the organization. And obviously, it's grown so much since then. I mentioned a little bit of, you know, the sort of encyclopedic information we have. But we are a 501c3 nonprofit, which means that we are funded by donors, grantors, sponsors who get some acknowledgement on our website, although they have zero control over our content. We have this little sponsor bar with their logos, but we never want to put ads on the website because we're very concerned that, you know, you're looking at a candidate or a bill looking for unbiased information, and then you would get that political ad. Could you tell us each about your professional backgrounds and how you came into your current position? I have been a writer all my life, and I studied English and writing uh, at Holy Cross in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. And then 
Early on after that, I took on various freelance writing projects. I am a musician as well by trade, so uh, I got to do kind of an interesting grant project through the Mellon Foundation as one of my uh, first acts in the real world as a writer, going on a six-week trip across the country studying the musical heritages of various famous music meccas in, in the country. And all of that eventually, as I grew as a writer, I got to start working for Citizens Count. I've always had a, a fascination with politics. I kind of come from a political family. And that turned into my work here at Citizens Count. First, just writing content and then eventually uh, getting the opportunity to become the content editor here. So I'm definitely, he was more on the writing side. I'm more on the hardcore political wonk side. <laughs> I have a background in political science. I got a master's in justice studies. And at that time in my life, I wasn't sure if I wanted to become a lawyer. I was thinking about law enforcement. But ultimately, I was really interested in getting involved at the state level because I feel like so much important policy happens at that level. And so I actually wrote to Citizens Count, which was then the Live for Your Die Alliance. We changed our name so we wouldn't get confused with other libertarian organizations that also have Live for Your Die or Liberty in their name. No offense to what they're doing, but obviously we are trying to stay completely unbiased. So it was the Live for Your Die Alliance then, and I wrote them a letter because I was just a recent graduate. I was interested in what they were doing. So I actually started as a contract writer with them as well. I was able to grow with the organization over time, had a lot of opportunities for professional development, learning about things like everything from party unity score, you know, that political walk stuff to SEO, which is very much about having a website in the modern era. So uh, yeah, here I am to this day. Since we're fresh off the presidential primary, could you tell us what role Citizens Count played during the election? Sure. So as I mentioned before, Citizens Count is all about providing tools for voters and everyday citizens. And one of the ways that we do that for elections is by profiling every candidate for state and federal office. So it's really a great platform, citizenscount.org, if we haven't mentioned the URL already. It's a platform where you can go online free of charge and you just put in where you live and it will tell you who is going to be on your ballot on the state and federal level. And you'll see almost like Facebook profiles or social media profiles, you'll see all of the different faces and names of people who will be on your ballot. And then uh, you can click on any one of those and you can find out where they stand on wide variety of issues that face New Hampshire and federally. One of the ways that we gather this information is we issue surveys in every election to the candidates and we get a, a pretty strong response rate from them as we've grown. Our, our name recognition has grown. Obviously, these candidates get tons of these surveys, but we do send them out every election. And then we enter them into the website so that people can just go on and see very clearly, thumbs up, thumbs down on various issues. Obviously, it's hard to break it down as simply as that sometimes. So we do also provide their context of those answers. The candidates can sort of fill in a description of what they mean when they say I'm in favor or against, or maybe I'm somewhere in between. But all sorts of issues, people can see where they stand. And by profiling those candidates, average voters can see who's going to be on their ballot before they head to the voting booth. And so that's what we did this past year. Anna's very involved in that. Obviously, not every candidate will respond to 
every survey that we send out. And so that's where the the real hard work comes in of going and researching the issue positions for the candidates that don't respond to the survey. And so Anna would know the numbers better than I do in terms of the number of positions that we end up with. But we we wind up with a very good view of the landscape in New Hampshire and where these different candidates stand. Fun fact, 45 candidates that we profiled for the New Hampshire presidential primary. It costs $1,000 to appear on the New Hampshire presidential primary ballot. And a lot of performance artists, fringe candidates, quite frankly, wackadoos in some cases. I feel I feel like Vermin Supreme would not be offended by me calling him a little bit of a wackadoo. He's also a performance artist. For those who don't know, he loves to wear a rubber boot on his head. He wants to have a pony-based economy. He glitter-bombed some of his opponents a few years ago. So there's a lot of candidates to wade through. If you went into that voting booth this year, I'm sure you saw a whole long list. Of course, Joe Biden was not on that list, but we did also profile him. Since if someone has an active writing campaign, we also reach out to them and treat them the same as other candidates. And I should say, too, that while obviously the elections are a really important part of what we do, we're also busy during the sort of off years tracking legislation. So we have plain English summaries of every bill that goes through the New Hampshire legislature on our website that people can sort through by topic. They can sort of find the the areas of interest for them. That ends up being roughly a thousand bills every year, if you can believe it. And so it would, I don't know if you've ever been on to the uh, general court, the state legislature's website, but it's a, a, a little harder to navigate than ours. And so it allows a more user-friendly way for people to see what's going on. And we also offer a lot of other tools that can help people feel less intimidated, I guess you would say, about the process. So for example, we have what we call the um, New Hampshire Advocacy Toolkit, which is a series of articles about how to either prepare to vote or how to advocate for a cause, how to get a bill written, how to write a letter to the editor, things like that. We have articles about what you need to do in order to be ready to go to the voting booth, what kind of documents you need. Sometimes those articles that we write will actually end up in the local newspapers. So again, that's sort of that blurring of the line. Are we journalists? Are we not? But really, we're all about providing the information and then letting citizens do with it as they will. We have a series of newsletters that also go out either monthly or weekly. The weekly one we call the weekly legislative preview. That is one that goes out during the legislative session, and it's all about what bills are going to be up for debate, going to have public hearings that coming week. So every Friday, we send out this email, and you get a nice little roundup of some of the most important bills that will be debated the coming week. And so we do things like that. We even provide teachers with lesson plans that they can use. Obviously, we have the podcast. So we're we're doing things sort of in every corner of the civic landscape in New Hampshire. I'd like to ask one recent bill that you helped to highlight, which would limit the hunting season for coyotes. How did this bill come to your attention and why did you choose to highlight it? We come together as a team every week that we're doing the podcast and look at those bills that are coming up and ask ourselves, okay, do we, do we know what this is? There are some bills out there where I just get curious. There's a bill this year. I don't know if we're going to get to cover it, but it's about metal detecting on sports fields because evidently you currently have the right to go on school grounds and sport fields and all sorts of places in New Hampshire with a metal detector. 
And it seems like maybe there's a problem with people digging up holes and then student athletes falling into them. I'm not really clear. So sometimes there's bills like that where I'm just like, oh my goodness, there's got to be an interesting story here. But other times like this one, I think we've seen it come up before and we know it's popular. And we're trying to find those bills a lot of times where there actually does seem to be a gap in the journalism coverage where I think that there's a lot of demand in journalism to cover, of course, those really hot button, high level topics. You know, we're talking about abortion, gender related issues, gun laws, everything that was happening during COVID-19, which are extremely important. But there's so many, so many debates that happen just below that level, right? We're talking a thousand bills. And so we're trying to pick those out and elevate them. And I mean, Mike, I'd love to hear your take on this, but Coyotes, those debates have been jumping around New Hampshire for a little while, and we get a strong reaction anytime we've brought this up. Yeah, it's always funny to see what gets the most traffic. And we already had an article about coyote hunting on our website that got a lot of traffic. And we were always sort of like, that. it's interesting that that happens to be the one. I think uh, exotic pet permits is another one that yes. we, for some reason, get a lot to of traffic on. To this day, top 10 landing page almost every single week. And it covers questions such as, can I own a llama? Can I own a zebra? Can I own a tiger? Can I own a monkey? People just need to know. And I think it is sort of the the beauty of the nonprofit model, going back to one of your previous questions, uh, compared to traditional journalism, where, you know, those questions about what is getting the most clicks can be a source of interest for us, and it helps to guide us a little bit, but it doesn't have the same profit necessity that traditional journalism might in terms of getting those clicks on every single article that we do or every single podcast. The podcast is sort of fun because it allows us to step into that a little bit and think like, well, what would people actually be, what am I interested in hearing about just from the title of it? And the the Coyote thing was, I can't remember the other bills that were on our list for that week, but it, it just seemed like one that I just was interested in knowing like, okay, so this is, I I believe the exact thing was to prohibit coyote hunting at any time from April 1st to July 31st, which is the uh, season when coyotes raise their pups. And so I was sort of interested in like, well, why would we want to do that? You know, what, what is the law now, which is from what I can tell essentially free range on uh, on coyote hunting. So with every bill, you know that there's going to be a story behind it. You know oftentimes that for a bill to be written, there has to be either a group in New Hampshire or some sort of advocating cause behind it. So that's always an interesting part of any story too, is to find out like, well, where did this come from? Was this just a legislator who had this idea themselves or did a constituency come to them? In this case, it was actually a group called uh, the Voices of Wildlife in New Hampshire that has been advocating for animals in New Hampshire and specifically for this kind of legislation or policy in various ways. And so as we dug into it, we got to learn about something that neither Anna nor I really knew anything about beforehand, but I thought it was quite interesting. And we got to share that with our podcast listeners. Mike, as you mentioned earlier, Citizens Count utilizes many different means to reach the public website, social media, newsletters, Granite State News Collaborative News Outlets. You mentioned podcast, and there's a recent one about ticket bots and reselling market, which I 
found personally very interesting. Is there one of those avenues that's most effective or do you find that different media reach different audiences? Definitely different media reach different audiences. And we're always sort of asking ourselves that same question about how can we get the word out, you know, with an organization like ours, there are so many, there's a lot of mistrust in the world of politics, obviously. And there's always this sense of like, well, what is the motivation behind this organization or that organization? And so when you tell someone that you're a nonpartisan nonprofit, you know, it, it I think there's a skepticism that people naturally have because they're so used to being uh, pushed in one direction or another. And so I think that to me personally, the email newsletters that we send out are probably my favorite way of getting in touch with people because unlike social media, first of all, that's obviously a particular locus of mistrust in today's day and age. And so we do share things on social media, but I like the newsletters because for one, everyone on the newsletter list that we send it to actually receives it, which people who know anything about social media, that's not really the case when you post on Facebook or Instagram where they're just showing a certain segment of your audience what you're posting. But I'm, I'm always interested in particular with this weekly legislative preview that we've launched and how high the open rate is. We have like a well over 50% open rate on our weekly legislative preview, which is very high in the email marketing world. And it just goes to show that there is a real sense of value that people get from that particular newsletter, especially because it's giving them something that they can't get in a convenient way from other sources. And it allows them to feel informed in a way that doesn't have a lot of friction associated with it. They get this nice little rundown and in five minutes or less, they can they can be right in their email inbox and uh, learn something about what's happening in their state legislature. Anna, since you've been with Citizen Count, have you observed any changes to the tone of New Hampshire politics? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. So as I said, I've had the opportunity to grow with the organization over the past decade more so. And oh man, I'm sorry, there's so many things I want to talk about. So one thing I will say is just mathematically, there are ways to calculate partisanship in voting behavior. And so first of all, Just we know for a fact that there are now more partisan votes. There are more votes where a majority of one side is drawing a line in the sand and the majority of the other side is across it, as opposed to votes where you have most people from both parties agreeing or saying, no, let's kill this bill. So that right there is indicative. But I've also absolutely seen, for example, on our social media, on the emails that we get from people, that there is not only an escalation in the the tone and the words they're using to describe opponents, but also a lack of trust, a real lack of trust. And I think that a lot of times these days when people in the democracy space and the journalism space talk about how we live in a post-truth society, what's actually going on is a post-trust society. Because for example, during COVID-19, the vast, vast, vast majority of us were not doctors or epidemiologists or virologists, but all of us 
took one side or, or certain institutions that we say, I trust them, and those are the facts, and that's what I'm going to repeat, right? So it's it's not like we were coming from a place, even at Citizens Count, where we're saying, well, we're virologists, and, and we know what's up now. No, there were certain institutions and leaders where we were pulling from to put information on the website, and that was the trust. So I think that that lack of trust is probably the biggest theme that I have seen going forward. I also think that you see that when we're looking at how people talk about elections. I think you're seeing that when we talk about uh, ascribing certain motives to leaders in either party in New Hampshire. And I think the best way to combat that, which is not a question you asked, but something we think a lot about at Citizens Count, right? Because if you don't have that trust in a civil society, how are you going to operate? The whole function of a democracy, the way it works, is that you are entrusting a lot of these decisions to elected officials and, in the case of the executive branch, bureaucrats. So when we're talking about how do we rebuild that trust, I think you have to start at the community level. You have to start local. And I always encourage people reach out to your state representatives, send them an email, have a phone call, see them at an old home day event because you run into these people at Market Basket and Dunkin' Donuts way more than you realize. 400 is a lot for a small state. It's roughly one representative per about 3,000 people, I think. So you will see the vast majority of people doing this are not doing it for personal gain or some strange party conspiracy. They really care. They really care about New Hampshire. Ditto your local poll workers, just volunteers going out there, doing their thing. So that was a very long answer to your question about the change of tone. But I've, like I said, I've seen it mathematically, and I've also just seen it anecdotally in how I hear people talk to each other and elected officials talking to us. Yeah, the name of our podcast is $100 plus mileage because that is what state legislators make for their time driving to Concord and working on behalf of their constituents. So it, you know, to say that they don't have the the same benefits or the same financial motivations in a lot of cases, it, it leads to... There being, I mean, New Hampshire has always had an, an independent streak. I imagine that a lot of that feeling of greater partisanship is coming from the the influence of national politics on the, the state realm. But the state realm is really an opportunity for those nuances to be teased out in a way that doesn't really happen as much or isn't allowed as much in the the national realm. And that's where a website like ours really comes in handy because especially as we're doing these issue positions, you know, somebody might have Republican or Democrat next to their name, but their issue positions aren't always uh, right in line with what you would expect. And ultimately, the folks on the state level are having a huge impact on your day-to-day life. In a Arguably way that, more than the national level. Exactly, exactly. And so I think that's part of our goal too, is to shift a little bit of the emphasis back to where we think it belongs, which is on the state and even the local levels of control. And also because if you care about democracy, that's where democracy has its biggest impact is where when you're making those decisions for your more immediate community. What advice would each of you have for someone who's interested in starting their career in journalism? And Mike, let's start with you. Sure. Well, I think that the way that Anna and I both got our start in this industry is a great uh, one that I would recommend, which is uh, freelance writing. You know, obviously, in order to write about these kinds of issues, you have to understand them. So I think beginning 
establishing a diet for yourself of various news sources, both looking for unbiased ones as best you can, but we're human. We all have biases. And so I personally like to try to consume the partisan stuff from all ends of the spectrum. And that allows me personally to get a sense of, okay, this is how these people feel about this issue. And this is their best arguments. And this is where the opposing side comes from. And this is their response to those arguments and things like that. And if you can sort of understand the full picture, it'll make you a better writer, a better journalist. But again, in terms of the career, once you've established that diet for yourself, and you're never going to know everything about every issue. I mean, like I said, a thousand bills every year in the New Hampshire legislature. I didn't know anything about coyotes before reading that bill. So you're not going to know everything about every topic, but you can certainly have a sense of what is happening in the state and what those recurring themes are that keep coming up every year, the bills that almost get passed and then they come back in a different form the next year. So having a, a broad understanding of those things that are impacting New Hampshire and then freelance writing building a portfolio for yourself that you can uh, show to potential employers and then eventually finding an outlet that you want to work for or doing independent journalism that's becoming a bigger and bigger thing in this media landscape and just is slowly starting to establish yourself in this space. I think that there's a very interesting shift that is happening in journalism overall where it is sort of diverging in two directions. On one side, you have this emerging nonprofit model where you have national funders a lot of times coming in and saying, wow, we, we are losing out on local news and this is a threat to our democracy. So we're going to support that. We're going to build that up. And that's how you get outlets like Citizens Count, although we don't have a big national funder. Shout out national funders, come fund us. But it's certainly that is a growing model. And we've seen some of that in New Hampshire. We're seeing that in other states. And then on the other side, I think you're seeing a lot of outlets that are becoming highly specialized and either creating sort of rage bait clicks, frankly, because that's what gets you the clicks in the ad revenue, or more just very specific on certain subjects, certain areas. So maybe an outlet that is really just focused on energy issues, for example, or another one that is just focused on civil rights and what's going on with that. So, or, or maybe, you know, it's, it's the real estate industry and what's going on there. So I think if you're entering this career now, I think it probably looks a lot different than it did even just 10 years ago. 20 years ago, I think that there were a lot more vibrant local newsrooms, and I would love to see more of those, but I think that the, the model just looks different. So I think also maybe it's asking yourself, you know, am I interested in more of that traditional journalism beat and, and unbiased reporting, in which case I think, you know, maybe thinking about, you know, looking at nonprofits as well and what's going on with that space or maybe become more of a specialist. Maybe there's a particular topic area that you're interested in and you can start becoming an expert in that area. And maybe there are some outlets more focused on that. And the last question, where can people go to see this wide breadth of research and information that you've collected? Citizenscount.org, citizenscount, that's plural citizens, count, C-O-U-N-T, dot org. Also find us on Facebook. We have a little Instagram profile, Twitter, limited presence on LinkedIn. Sometimes we post on the subreddit for New Hampshire, r slash New Hampshire. If you've ever been on there, 
it can be a bit of a trip sometimes. I'm a Reddit fan myself, so we don't have our own Reddit profile, like our own huge presence on Reddit, but we do post sometimes in there. Our, sign up on our website also if you want to receive those newsletters for free. So we have our weekly legislative preview, which we mentioned, and then also a monthly newsletter, which has more organizational information and latest articles, things like that. Right. And since obviously anyone listening to this is a podcast fan already, give us a subscribe on $100 plus mileage. So that's a great way to dip a toe in the water of Citizens Count as well. Thank you both for joining us today. This was really fun. Thank you. Thank you both. The Granite Beat is a project of the Granite State News Collaborative in partnership with the Laconia Daily Sun. We record at the Lakeport Opera House, and our theme music is composed by Bob McCarthy. Thanks also to the Marlin Fitzwater Center at Franklin Pierce University for editing and other support.